Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our special guest is Tracy Osborne, author of Hello Web Design and Program Director at TinySeed. We're going to be talking about design for non-designers. This show is brought to you by Userlist, the best way for SaaS founders to send onboarding emails, segment your users based on events, and see where your customers get stuck in the product. Start your free trial today at userlist.com. Hey, Tracy. Hey, thanks for having me. We're delighted to have a an author who just uh, has a fresh book. I'm not. I'm sure it still smells. You know, the publisher copy smells in your room now. <laughs> yes, it took a while to get to me. I had some friends. I'm in Canada, and the publisher is in the U.S. And so I had friends who received their pre-orders before I got my author copies. And so it was kind of a uh, waiting process to finally get my box of books. But yes, they do smell delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about yourself and what you do, because. You are a program director at TinySeed, the accelerator that we went through uh, with Userlist. So we've, you know, had a chance to work together. And I've never got to touch your design shadow side, you know, and here you are as a design author. Yeah, I do. I've always done a little bit of everything. My background is in design. My university degree is in graphic design. And after university, I went into working in the startup world. And that's kind of where I started wearing many different hats. My first job out of university was was being like a UX, UI, front end, doing everything on that side of things um, for a startup. And then when I left that startup, I then started my own startup called Wedding Lovely and worked on that for about nine years. And at Wedding Lovely, also wore many hats. I started Wedding Lovely because I liked design, specifically wedding invitation design. I want to support the industry. And it kind of grew from there to working with all sorts of different kind of wedding vendors. And I learned, I taught myself how to program when I was there. I had to learn a lot about sales and marketing and everything else that goes into being an entrepreneur. Unfortunately, that that startup, I made so many mistakes in that startup. And which is funny now that I work at Tiny Seed because I can kind of see where all those mistakes are now. I ended up shutting that down the company at the end of hmm, 2018, if I remember correctly. And then, you know, ignoring the book side of things, I had a few months gap. And then I started working at Tiny Seed as a program manager. It was really great that that opportunity popped up right when I was ending my last full-time job with Wedding Lovely. Um, and I've been working at Tiny Seed since 2019. And the books kind of came about when I was working at Wedding Lovely because I was burnt out from being an entrepreneur. I was like, yeah, Wedding Lovely has, that was never really a rocket ship. And so there was these times when I was working on the company and I just needed something else to do, something that I was excited about. And so I got in my head that I was going to start writing content and then kind of moved into writing and self-publishing books, teaching beginner topics towards like another audience. So I launched Hello Web App was my first book. And I launched that as kind of like an introduction to building web apps aimed at designers. And then Hello Web Design, I saw, I originally self-published that a few years ago after Hello Web App when I realized, okay, I have a book for on programming for designers. What would it look like if I had a book for designers aimed to programmers or entrepreneurs or other non-designers? Like, how can I teach these beginner concepts of design to this other field? And it's really exciting because that book 
the Hello Web app is still around, but the programming world changes so fast that it's, you know, it's hard to keep it up to date. With Hello Web Design, I was able to write an evergreen book. And when I started at Tiny Seed, I didn't have enough time to maintain it anymore as like a self-published author. And so I was able to sell the book to No Starch, the public, like a small publishing group. And No Starch has, this is the summer of, of 2021. It just came out, uh, released under No Starch, kind of a new version um, a couple of weeks ago. If I say new version, I should probably go into that. It's like 99% of the same. It was nice because it's evergreen content. Large concepts of, of design don't really change over time. No Search was able to kind of, you know, refresh some of the examples. We updated some of the writing, but really it was, it's the same book that I self-published a few years ago. Congrats on, on the launch. That's always such a yeah. exciting moment. It's been really great to have something out. It's honestly been really great to have it out you know, under a publishing house, because I don't have to deal with fulfillment anymore. (laughs) It's like the worst part of being a self-published author is like, okay, if I want to have physical books, then I have to have physical books in my house and I have to ship them and all that kind of stuff. And it's just so great to have a publisher dealing with doing all that for me. I've also heard that you've done a fair share of uh, conference talks before the pandemic hit. So tell us more (laughs) about that part. Yeah. Again, also at Wedding Lovely, I think this is a lot of, again, I just needed something else to do other than just like pounding away at my startup that wasn't really going anywhere. I wrote Hello Web App. It worked really well to like take some of the ideas and whatnot around Hello Web App, the programming book, and start pitching that to programming conferences. And so naturally when I launched Hello Web Design, it's a great way to promote the book content. Conference speaking is a great way to promote that book's content. And I... It's funny because I actually suffer not so much anymore. It comes up in weird situations, but I suffer from social anxiety and conference speaking was one of the biggest ways that I I found to network in the industry when I'm, I have issues with social anxiety because I find that when I'm in a place of, when I'm giving a talk on stage, it doesn't really come up. And then that gives me something to talk about to conference attendees and I started pitching all these conferences as a way to travel, as a way to promote my book, but also as a way to kind of network and meet other people in the industry in a way that I felt comfortable. So in like 2017, I think I did 17 conference talks around the world. I've been kind of drawing it. I was drawing it back since then because that year was ridiculous. Um, And then COVID hit. So I haven't (laughs) haven't done any in-person talking in a while, but hopefully I'll be picking that up soon to help promote the new version of Hello Web Design. And at Tiny Seed, you also started to not just help founders run, you know, be part of the program, but also give them some design advice as well. So uh, tell us about that part. Do you see a lot of design problems in in modern startups? I would say that there are are some significant issues I see in these startups that uh, that come through Tiny Seed, probably because you know, and it all makes sense is that they are small teams with, you know, one or just a few founders. They haven't gone to a place where they can hire, they can't hire out. They don't have the budget to hire a designer. And so very rightfully so, there's no problem with this. They've, they've, you know, done all they can for their design, but they're not being not designers themselves, the founders, and being that they can't hire designs, designers, contractors or whatnot. There is a lot of um, fundamental issues in some of these websites that come through. Um, so that has no, that's not part of our judging criteria for Tiny C. We want to see what the idea is. We want to see how the founders, like how 
like ambitious they are, how much of a castle they have, what is, what could this turn into? Uh, and then that after they joined Tiny State, that's when I can work with these founders and kind of point out some of the fundamental issues that they might be missing as they're growing their business. So it's really useful for me to have this hat when I'm working at Tiny Seed because I'm not a designer at Tiny Seed. I kind of help out with design, but my role really is to kind of run the day-to-day operations of the program. And this is my, you know, Rob, the founder of Tiny Seed. He's very much like this visionary, has a lot of experience in a lot of areas of running a company. He is not a designer. Um, Anar is kind of our like mathematician, investments, M&A type person, really great with sales, also not a designer. So it works really well for me to kind of pop in and also be able to give my advice at Tiny Seed as a designer in this area that can really affect the bottom line for a lot of these startups. Because everyone, you know, they're all SaaS startups. You know, they all run everything through a website. And the better that they can update, you know, the better user experience they have and the better kind of overall experience for their customer to like sign up and use their product, the more revenue they're going to be making. So that's something I've really started doing in the last year or so now that the program is in place. And I'm really excited to kind of also work with tiny seed startups using my design skills. We've been chatting about this in our pre-recording conversation that uh, I'm also a designer and I do a lot of non-designer marketing work, but it's super helpful because we all deliver all kinds of assets all the time. And it's so great to be able to make them look good without asking for extra help. And uh, I wonder when you were putting together your book, how did you know in a limited time, you know, for like a zero to one kind of tome, how did you know what matters and what doesn't? How did you know what needs to be taught? I think that I am a perpetual beginner. And I I think I'm also, that's my superpower. I'm really good at looking at something and kind of nitpicking it. And it's kind of hard to explain this kind of very abstract content, this concept. For me, it's really easy to kind of watch something and experience it through a beginner's point of view and be able to be like, that's not useful. This is useful. That's not useful. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with practice from running, from launching Hello Web App to developing this idea for Hello Web Design. And I've also written a couple like free zines on some programming concepts. I have one that's on the command line and one that's on using Git. And I think it's a lot of just practice of, of over time of A, being a beginner myself in a lot of areas and being frustrated seeing all these other resources out there that I find don't teach beginner content effectively. And then being able to like assume that mindset when I'm writing and kind of bring it down to that kind of like this friendly fundamentals, lots of shortcuts kind of way of thinking. I think a lot of these beginner contents, books and articles and everything they, a lot of people, when they're writing these things, they get tripped up, confusing, you know, how do we get someone into this concept, but then also teach them best practices. And I find a lot of beginner content leans so hard on best practices, which can be harder to pick, like harder to use for programming. For instance, best practices could be like these very hard to understand ways of programming for Django. It's say using class-based views. So if you're not a programmer, class-based views, you're kind of abstracting everything out. Very hard to pick up as a beginner. So I wrote Hello Web App 
for um, what we call function-based views. So there's more code repetition, but it's all contained in one area and you kind of read it from top to bottom. And so it's one of those areas where it's like best practices, if you're trying to get someone from zero to one, can be more confusing. And I find best practices can happen when the person reaches that beginner, that say, that past that absolute beginner level. You get them just enough that they're like, oh, I can do this. And then you can start teaching those best practices or or those concepts that might be initially hard to understand. And I think that applies to almost any beginner content out there. And that's how I look at the stuff I've written for the programming world, the design world. And, you know, I'm also looking at like, what can I write in terms of marketing and entrepreneurship to using that kind of lens. So what subjects did you decide to include in this beginner agenda in, in your book? What subjects are you teaching and what are you omitting from that? Which clearly right. best, not best practices, but what are you teaching in the book? So Hello Web Design is kind of split into two sections. And the first section, I actually go to distill it down to just one concept. That's also why, that's another thing about beginner content is I want to like keep things really, really simple and easy to understand. I don't need them to be complicated in order to write a book. I can write a whole book on a very simple concept. And so the first half or maybe 60, 70% of Hello Web Design is just understanding the concept of reducing clutter in your design. And so all these design principles that we learn about as designers, typography, color, content, that kind of stuff, reducing clutter kind of plays a role in every single one of these. It's not, you know, completely correct. There's a lot of things that go into typography or color or content beyond just reducing clutter. But if you want to teach someone like that bare minimum, reducing clutter in typography, using fonts and and typefaces that are overly swashy, keeping them simple, keeping them easy to keeping them easy to read, making sure people don't have too many different fonts on a page. All that kind of relates to reducing clutter. You know, when it comes to color, you, you know, reducing your color palette, having, you know, mostly neutrals and maybe one pop of color to kind of draw the eye also plays a role in like reducing clutter of the page. And so the first book part of the book kind of introduces all these typical principles of design, but looks at them in a clutter perspective and then kind of shows how each one of these things, once you apply them, reduces clutter, kind of simplifies things, make it easier to use. You know, white space is, I say, the ultimate clutter reducer, something a lot of people miss on their in their beginning designs. So it's all around just re- how do you reduce clutter? And then the second part of the book is, you know, the process of designing. You know, what does it look like when you're designing? What's it look like in terms of finding inspiration? Because a lot of beginning designers, they think that they have to just like start with a blank page and start from scratch and just pull it from their brain and don't realize that inspiration and looking for how things are done elsewhere is such a huge part of design. So I want to introduce that process of going out there, forming inspiration, kind of what I call training your design eye. So you can kind of pick out good design and kind of get that the process of design more concrete in the person's head so that they a they know like what to look for and then b how to do it what do you think of uh, frameworks templates etc and we've had tailwind uh, founders here on the on the show we're going to link to that episode and that just like number one uh designy framework that comes to mind that's also really helpful for developers anything else that can make uh, developers life easier when they're non-designers 
Yes. I love frameworks. I love these things. Like I know some people out there, I think bootstrap before was like the big one and people are kind of moving on from bootstrap to tailwind or these other frameworks. But I absolutely encourage anyone who is new to design working to launch something really quickly to use these frameworks and kind of use this shortcut in order to get to a better design. Cause these things have all these, like most of these things have those principles built in. That said, I find it useful for someone to have an idea about all of these beginner principles because then they can like, when you're adding Tailwind in, there's lots of great defaults, but you can still, you know, bash together something that is not very usable if you don't have like a good idea in terms of white space, typography, whatnot. Same thing with Bootstrap and all of that. So I think it's also useful to kind of have a base understanding of these principles, kind of what I'm trying to do with the book, and then use these frameworks to kind of give yourself a shortcut to filling them in as fast as possible. And the one other thing I wanted to say is that in the book and in design, we talk a lot about UI, but it's also like user experience and how people use your app is also very important. And that's something that like Tailwind's not going to help you with your user experience or how someone's going to go through your onboarding flow, how someone's going to sign up for your SaaS. And so that's, I would argue is like having an idea of like how you want people to use your website, your app, your service, whatnot, walking through that, hopefully like, you know, getting an idea for, you know, how easy it is to use and sign up can take you farther than just like say nitpicking over some of the visual details. Being able to observe uh, dozens of startups and, and their design or lack of design, how do you think, uh, how much uh, good design defines the success of the startup? <laughs> I laugh only because I was, I used to do a lot of events as I was like, there's a designer fund in San Francisco, which is a venture capital firm based around designery startups. And so when I was in California, I did a lot of, I went to a lot of their events and in their first iteration, they kind of had an accelerator of some sort and Wedding Lovely went through it. And that is very much what they're, they're focused on is like the good design can lead to good outcomes. I, I would agree with that to an extent. I would never at Tiny Seed require good design coming in. I would love to teach those skills to the founders that come into Tiny Seed so that they can move into having good user experiences and good professional trustworthy interfaces on their apps. So it's not again not a criteria for tiny seed, but when I think when all startups when they start looking at their conversion rate, when they start looking at how many people are signing up and churning and all that kind of stuff, they are fixing those user experience issues. They are doing design in that way. And so they're going to start, you know, so if there's a company out there that has quote unquote good design and in that, in if they, that, I mean, a clean, professional, trustworthy website, good user experience principles, it's easy to use and understand. I would say user list would count as this in terms of tiny seed. Uh, Derek at Savvy Cal does a really great job with his, his design. I think it can lead to better outcomes. It leads to more people. You're not losing people to come to your website and they go, hey, this is not this website. If it's a terrible looking design, like no one at Tysia has a terrible looking design, but you know what I mean? I'm kind of being a little bit uh, extreme here, but it's, you know, someone can go onto a website and they say, this doesn't look trustworthy to me. And then they can bounce off. And so if you have a good design, it could improve that conversion rate. And that's kind of where I'm getting there with that. So I just want to help people make their websites better. I do not think that a good website means a successful uh, company. I don't think that 
uh, companies can't be successful without a good website, but it certainly helps. I can totally agree with that. Good design only communicates quality. The fact that the company has uh, is serious enough and has funds to also manage their design well, but everything else, the product market fit, it's not solving that for you. So in my consulting years, my favorite clients were companies that were able to achieve great results without having significantly great design. And right, exactly. That it's such a pleasure to work with them because they know their customer base, they know everything, and that extra visual layer of polish can just help them uh, improve that conversion rate finally and uh, communicate mm-hmm. quality. What are the common mistakes that you see a developer would make when you know they put an app together without having a designer input? I think the most common mistake is not kind of nitpicking the flow from someone landing on the website to signing up for the app. Because there are so many pitfalls that could happen in that process and you can lose potential customers as they go through that process. So a founder looking at, I mean, the front page of the website is a key part of that. Does the website, uh, is it interesting? Is it easy to read? Is it easy to understand what the startup does? And and is it under, easy to understand how to sign up for this? And then in that process, like how easy is the process to sign up? Is the copy on there easy to read and understand? Is there plenty of white space so it doesn't feel cluttery and scary and and uh, unprofessional? You know, and then what is it like when say land on the web on the internal website? Does the design match? between the front end, because I find a lot of people can use a, uh, a template for their front end. And then the interior looks completely different, which causes like this, this jarring feeling of being like, wait, I'm on the right website. This one looks way different. You know, it kind of can lead to this kind of lack of, of trust then at that point, if they see that there's like a jarring different design in the interior area. So it's like, thinking about that process. I mean, all you have to do is like look through that onboarding process, you know, assign numbers to it. How many people have their website? How many people convert? Kind of look at that over time, see what you can do. You know, maybe changing out this headline can lead to higher conversions. So I'm not talking about anything like visual. Those visuals can play a part in that whole process as well. So it's just like, that's number one, I find is just to nitpick that process because it can pay dividends down the road. When you were running Wedding Lovely and were founder to yourself, how did you have a different attitude towards your own design? Did you ever feel that uh, this area is neglected or vice versa? Was it like the center, center point of your business success, let's say? That's a good question. I've never been asked that before. And I want to say it was one of the key differentiators of Wedding Lovely versus anything else was the design. And I did all the design. We had nine different properties. There was it was ridiculous when you think about architecting this, but it was there was wedding lovely, and then there was individual properties called weddinginvitelove.com, weddingplannerlove.com, weddingphotolove.com, like one for every one of those like vendor types. And then we had a blog, and then there was an app for walking someone through wedding planning. I didn't even know what SaaS was, by the way. I spoke at MicroConf and I met Rob for the first time and he was asking, he's like, the wedding lovely, is, wedding lovely is a SaaS. And in my brain, I'm like, what's a SaaS? Like, <laughs> I never even used these terms when I was running Wedding Lovely. It was really funny coming, coming into this other side of the industry and realizing there's a whole set of terms for all this. 
So I wasn't really looking at it from a microconfig perspective. I did focus a lot on design. All of those individual properties had to have a, everything had to have like a similar design that you knew they were part of the same brand, but they had to be different across each one of them so you could be differentiated. So planner and photo and invite the individual, they all had like the same layout and the same kind of structure underneath, but they all had a different color scheme to kind of differentiate them between each other. So as a designer, it was really fun working on that. I think a lot of, not a lot of people had seen that kind of in the wedding industry, that kind of work and design put towards working with these vendors. And I think it led to a lot of trust between me and the people who decided to work with Wedding Lovely. So at the end, I had about 10,000 um, businesses on board. Not all, definitely not all of them paying. A lot of them were free. So there's, there was a lot of trust, I think, that came through the design for Wedding Lovely. And I think it led to more people signing up and, and working with us due to design. And maybe it kind of glossed over some of the fundamental issues I had in the company, mainly being that I wasn't tracking any metrics whatsoever. And I had no idea about how many people were churning. I had no idea like how many people work, how like what my long-term customer value was, all that stuff I was just ignoring. And so there's a lot of like fundamental issues, but design, I think kind of A, helped um, but also be maybe mask some of these other fundamental issues I had in the company. And um, like when people say like, oh, wedding lovely, it looks beautiful and whatnot. Like, <laughs> I think I, I ran it for longer because of that. Because <laughs> it was it was a fun property design for and it did look, I think it looked quite nice. It's a little dated now. I It wouldn't look like modern web design now, but at the time I say that it was really good. What are your final two tips for non-designers who are trying to make their web property look nice. Number one is white space. And there's so many people out there who are not designers. I see this on Hacker News. I see it on Reddit. People are talking about design and people are like, oh, modern design. There's so much white space everywhere. You know, like there's, you can fit, they start pulling out the, like you have to fit as much information above the fold and all these other concepts that you haven't really, hasn't really been a thing, at least to the level it was, they say like five, 10 years ago. But white space is like the way that you can reduce clutter, you can make things look cleaner. And that's important because it makes the important things stand out. Because when everything's all up, up next to each other, when your sign-up buttons and your text and everything is all clumped up together, it's hard to pick those individual elements out. But when there is, you know, a nice big headline and your sign up button as like a headline of your website and a lot of white space about that, your eye just goes directly to what you want people to see. And so white space, you can use white space in a way to emphasize the things you want to be emphasized. They don't get lost in the flow. They don't get lost in all the other content. And it can lead to higher conversions and um, a better experience with your app when you do use white space that way. So white space is number one. New designers don't use it as much as they should. The second thing I would say in general of is people, it's really useful to kind of train your design intuition. So when you are looking at a design that not your own design, looking at another website, look at the website and kind of think thoughtfully about what that website is doing and why that's good design. So it could be like the their own white space. It could be their headline treatment. It could be the colors they use. So if you kind of like think just for a few minutes about what makes that website a good design, it's going to help train your brain to better 
pull it out for your own designs. I have a couple of presentations on this. Maybe I'll send it to you. Um, I just did one recently for a uh, online group kind of specifically on just training your design intuition, just looking at good design, thinking about what makes a good design. And that's going to help you over time become a better designer yourself. And I think any kind of person who wants to be a, who is new to design, trying to run through that exercise will help them become a better designer uh, moving forward. And it takes very little effort at all. It just takes, you know, a want to nitpick all the things you're looking at. Thanks so much for great advice today, Tracy. Lovely having you. Where can people find more of your work online? Where can they find the book? Yeah, I actually need to update my personal website, the length of the book. <laughs> so at tracyosborne.com should be, by the time this episode comes out, be updated. And please message me on Twitter, which where I am Tracy Makes on Twitter. Let me know if those website links are not in there because hopefully they are when this com- this episode comes out. But if you want to go directly to Hello Web Design, you can go to nostarch.com slash hello dash web dash design. Um, I think if you just Google for Hello Web Design 2, I think all the links should come to me as well. So my personal website, tracyosborne.com, my Twitter, Tracy Makes, and Hello Web Design, the book is on nostarch.com. Amazing. Thanks so much, Tracy, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 